On this episode of The Leadership Locker, I have Brandon Steiner. He is a New Yorker who owns Steiner Sports, which is now owned by Fanatics, which should tell you plenty. I guess how people categorize him is a sports marketer, but he uh, sells sports memorabilia. But it all began after he was managing and helping people like Mickey Mantle, Lawrence Taylor, open up sports bars, get gigs for different things, and just helping them sell some of their you know autographed property and things of that nature. This dude is like a full-bred entrepreneur. Uh, He's huge, huge in New York and his collectible business is probably something you've come across numerous times and didn't even know it, especially if it had anything to do with the Yankees. He's had deals with Notre Dame. He's had deals with the Cowboys, Yankees, obviously, Giants. Uh, The guy is legit and I was in his podcast studio and I went and I interviewed him and it was a blast. Check out his perspective and his little rant about entrepreneurship. Uh, let's talk about your new sure. book, uh, Living on Purpose. What, what's going on? Why'd you write it? What has changed since your last book? Well, I mean, so much has changed. I, I think in my life, things are constantly changing. Yeah. I mean, whether you're awake and kind of aware and want to take notice of the change is up to you. Mm-hmm. And you go through periods of it. I mean, you're not sitting here analyzing your life on a day-to-day. But I think as you get older, you start doing it a little bit more often. Yep. I think for me, there was just a bunch of game changers I think the number one thing why I wrote the book is like you spent all your life trying to have some relevance. You spend your whole life uh, trying to be successful, really more on the financial end of it. I mean, you go to conferences, read books, get all the help you can to try to you know make as much money as you can and be successful in business. And I think that there's a little bit of an imbalance. And I'm not talking about work-life balance, mm-hmm. but I just think for me it was just... I felt out of whack a little bit. And I still love working, love the money grab. I do a lot of things just for the money, Mm -hmm. and I still do. I I don't have a problem with that. But I just felt like there was some other things I wanted to attend to, more significance. I kind of classify, like, I I never really wanted to be successful in my life. That wasn't that of interest to me, even as a kid. Well, what do you, what do you, what do you? I just, I was interested in, I wanted to be extraordinary. No, I wanted to be, I wanted to go way past success. You know what I mean? I wasn't interested in, in, in just, you know, doing really well. I wanted to be like the best I ever was at something. And I wanted people to remember that I had been involved. I wanted people to know that I had been involved in whatever industry I decided to choose. I wanted to disrupt it. I wanted to change it. Or I wanted to invent it. I wasn't really sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew I was going to do something special. Yep. Not just... And that's if you really look at my track record, even as a kid, I was just perpetually looking at things differently. I knew that I had a certain view and a perspective that didn't really look at things the same way most other people did. And right. even as a young kid at college, the parties I threw... The businesses I got into even early on, I was just trying to figure things out. I never approached them the same way as most other people did. Like, give me an example. Like, what do you feel like you were doing differently than other people? Or literally, was it just your DNA? Like, like, did you feel like, I'm ahead of these guys? I felt like I was ahead of these guys. First of all, I had a mom that would always push me and question, you know, that, you know, your first idea is not your best idea. What else you got? And what makes you so different? And how are you serving? How are you solving? But, you know, it's just so many different things that I would do. You know, you go on the beach. I just wrote about this on my blog the other day. But, you know, I went to the beach. I was selling knishes and then figured out how to and cold soda. And, you know, on a 100-degree beach in Coney Island, you know, there's a lot of wackiness. And it's hard to trek up and down the beach. And, you know, the, the soda's heavy. And you need to sell that stuff because you want to make some money. And it's also getting warm. So 
you know, I, I decided to take the Oreo cookies, which was three sleeves, a big pack, and put them into little, you know, three or four cookies in a little baggie. Yeah. And that would draw all the kids. So I'm walking, now remember, there's no Mrs. Fields cookies or any of that back then. Yeah. So, you know, I'm up and down the beach, Oreo cookies, hot canaches, cold soda. Oh, Meanwhile, all the kids are running up to me because they want the Oreo cookies. And then the parents come over and I, you know, I whack them for a canish or a soda. And, uh, you know, those are little things like just in all my hustle, you know, up in Syracuse, mm -hmm. the parties I threw were just different. You know, instead of just throwing a party at your school, I threw a party to compete. All the schools up in Syracuse could compete. Nice. Why? The need was, well, you know, maybe you want to meet some people outside your school. Expand the pie. So expand the pie, and I had, would add access to me was pledges. So I have the pledges go around to all the schools. Hey, you want to meet girls and guys from the different schools? We're having a party. Who's the craziest school in Syracuse? Mm -hmm. So we're going to compete. And, you know, I drew, like, thousands of people at a party with no money, no advertising, and made thousands of dollars. Like, that's, you know, and I could just go on and on with those kind of ideas. And I think that I always looked at things differently. Always had a great promotional mind. Uh, I got that from my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was a great promoter, a businesswoman. Yeah. And uh, that's the last book, You Gotta Have Balls, where all the stuff she taught me, which is be fearless. And this is what I, I tell people all the time. It's like, what gets, we all have that. You say, is that in your DNA? No. I think we all have that. Mm. The question, what we, what we all also have is fear yeah. and, and, and some negativity and some things that kind of get in the way. Yeah. And for me, my mother was always like, be fearless. Really, don't be soft. You know, you got to have balls. Like, go all the way with that. Don't, don't stop there. And how are you serving? How are you solving? You know, solving a problem takes a lot of thought. And I think that was a differentiate. Like, I wasn't the smartest kid in school, but I was the hardest thinker. And I would be a relentless thinker. And a lot of people would say, you know, if you look back at my yearbooks and everything, Brandon, you're intense. It was because I would take something and just keep grinding and grinding and think of it, you know, we can do this, let's try that. We, mm -hmm. And most people kind of, after they come up with a pretty good idea, they kind of stop. You know, they're yeah. good. We're good. Yeah. I, I hate those two words. We're good. Yeah. But, you know, it's like those are two words I never use when it comes to, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to figure stuff out. So... You're different, clearly, because of your mother's influence. But what was it like if you were a kid and you're going to hang out with other kids and everyone's moms are just kind of like, you know, nice and easygoing and very nurturing and everything. And you got this hard-hitting mom who's just like, get your shit together. You know, don't stop thinking. Be a savage. I, I mean, like, was that weird for you seeing other moms like that didn't? Or, no, or did you feel like you were no. blessed? Like, I, I mean, I thought, I thought it was special. I mean, yeah. until I realized how poor we were. And then I was feeling a little bit bummed because sometimes, you know, we just didn't have enough money for some of the things that a kid should have but yep. you know my mother was such a character I was never feeling that you know I always felt like she her energy level and her thinking pattern was always a blessing yeah. in a lot of ways uh, the money stuff in our family was was rough there for a while when you don't have food or you know you're living in a substandard place that's always troublesome but it also could be very motivating yep. so you know what I, what, I, what I think is and, and I'm, I'm gonna get on a little rant is no, that I just feel like you know, schools just need to really ab ab adopt because I feel like, although I was an odd kid growing up, I don't think the kids today are that odd. There's a lot of kids like me out there now yeah. more than ever. Oh, yeah. I was such an odd kid because I was so entrepreneurial, hustling and grinding. There wasn't a lot of me out there, but I think there's a lot of kids out there now and we're just not adopting in our schools today mm -hmm. to, to impress upon kids what, how it works and, and to support the kids that are thinking like this, but also to show them, because my biggest knock is, Kids come to me all the time up here mm -hmm. that are 15, 14, 16 years old that have already started businesses and stuff. Yep. And I really tip my cap off, but nobody's explaining to them 
the back end of it. No one's explaining to them some of the P's and Q's that has to happen. And, and I think that we should have more of that conversation in our schools about how to open up a bank account, how to hire people, some of the rules and regulations as you grow a company, how you find office space, how you predict how big your company should be, how to write business plans. Like, this is what kids want. Yeah. And yet you don't touch any of that stuff till you get to college. Yep. And in some cases you don't touch it at all. Yep. And by the way, just because you're a music major or just because you're into literary, uh, literacy or writing or media doesn't mean you shouldn't learn how to do those things too because you could be an entrepreneur in medicine or you could be an entrepreneur in doctor and you still got to learn how the business part works. And I can't believe how many like doctors and lawyers that are phenomenal doctors and lawyers but don't have any business sense. And that's not fair. And what it does is it holds back on the entrepreneurism in this country as overall. And slowly and gradually we're slipping in this country from the what's next and coming up with the next idea. And other countries are doing that more and more. And I feel like in this country, more small businesses are closing than opening every year mm -hmm. by a dramatic amount. And that is very bad. This country was built on small business entrepreneurs yep. of saying, I got an idea. Yep. And when you see more of them closing than opening and us not promoting the small business, not promoting the entrepreneurial, hey, go, let's go do it. Boy, I'm, I, that makes me really nervous, and that makes me sad. Yeah. Um, now, now, because not everybody has the parents like I, like my mother yeah. to support that. Uh -huh. Do you, I mean? So, do you think they're closing because there was a lack of education, or to your point of doctors and lawyers, like maybe they're just technically smart, but they don't have a branding around? You know what I mean? Like, are they just missing that person, or they're just? Just, they just don't have the knowledge to do it for themselves. They don't have the knowledge to do it themselves, and, and they're getting you know, outsmarted by some smart business that, that understand about merger acquisition and, and figuring out how to go blend it all together. Yeah. But we don't realize as consumers that ultimately we're cheating ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, is it easy to go on Amazon and click and pick and pick up a few items? Yeah, but how about the fact that you're, so you say, I'm saving time, I'm saving money. Mm -hmm. Okay, but how about the fact you can't go down on Main Street and pick up a loaf of bread anymore? Mm -hmm. How about the fact that the three houses next door to you are now you can't sell them because that was the guy who owned the store on Main Street and that was the guy who was manufacturing some product and now got ousted by Amazon. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you know, your real estate is now softening. Yeah. You have a lot of control in, in, in a few companies, which is definitely not what's going to ultimately help in the long run in this country. And by the way, I love Amazon. I mean, yeah. they, they do fill, fill a big niche, but it, it's important that we don't get lazy about the whole thing because at some point, you are going to lose creativity and you're going to lose that little entrepreneur spirit, the what's next, the what else, mm -hmm. which is what I live in love. I mean, how great is it when you're walking down uh, a street and you see some store that you'd never even heard of? Like, wow, I wonder what that's gone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those little ideas are ideas that lead to huge ideas. Yes. Right. And that's what scares me and bums me out. And to me, it starts in the schools. We need to promote entrepreneurism not only as a business tool, but as a life tool mm -hmm. to get this country back creating, thinking, and about what's next and growing and being the vibrant company, a country that we are. That's what scares me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm you. I'm sure it's not the direction no, we no, thought no. we were going, but, any you know, but, but any like, this is kind of where my head's at. We do I live it on purpose. It's like, even though this book is geared towards a slightly older audience, you know, I, I'm in love with the youth today. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get on the millennials, but I think what's going on today with the responsibility that our young ones are ready to take on for some of the screw-ups that some of the, us we've made with the way we handle this planet, mm -hmm. the way we handle our resources, the way we treat each other. Yep. I, I'm very optimistic about this, this new generation that's popping up that's 
you know, under 20. Why do you think, I'm with you, and I think I interviewed someone not long ago who's like millennials, whatever you think about them, you need to just switch off because they are the hardest working, hungriest, they have they're, all... They're, they're different working. Yeah. They get answers a lot quicker than we ever well, did. And that too. pisses me off, but <laughs> hey, you know, and, and they have some issues with titles and there's, you know, the problem is they're a little more abrupt about what they will and won't do. Yep. Where we never really, if a boss said, hey, you got to work till 11, you did it. Now, you know, they want, you know, millennials have a different set of agenda. You know, but their level of smartsmanship, I call it, uh, their level of smartsmanship is, is outstanding. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's a little frustrating because they could do a lot more in a lot less time than we ever did. But, you know, what I like what I, is their commitment to trying to make this planet better. Yep. And there's and there's is a high level of entrepreneurism. They're not willing to stay with what what's been given them. No. They want to make it better. We got to support them. We got to go get behind that mm -hmm. and give them the avenues and roads to do that. That's the purpose of this book. Is like don't stop, mm -hmm. don't stop, don't slow down. Yeah. But just get the pause button going. You know, let's, let's take a pause from it. Let's see what we have going, and let's see how we can grow from there. Um, so you know, I'm I am a fan of. Um, some balance, some form of respect for some of the other pillars. Mm -hmm. uh, something that my generation probably kind of missed because it was just a sprint to try to make as much money as you can, yeah. no matter how, any way you could. And I think that that's wrong because it leads to a lot of other problems. In your business, which is very niche, like, and you are obviously like up here on it, like, I don't know how much competition there is or whatever, but how do you look at the face of competition when you might be fans of them, which is, are those entrepreneurs? Like, are you still, do you ever look at it and say, I'm not sure I could start out thinking some of these kids or? No, I think I can outsmart them all. Um, nice. And, but I, I don't know if I can or not, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm adopting, I'm adjusting, I'm on social media. Yep. I'm not afraid to realize there's a ton of stuff I don't know and surround myself with those people. I'm not giving in, I'm not giving up. Um, I understand some of the advantages some of the young ones have uh, with online and applications and apps and you know, some I'm going after it, but they don't have the experience I have either. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not afraid of competition. I, I think competition is important. Yes. As long as they're making whatever it is we're competing about better. I so you know, I, I, I gave a talk uh, to the taxi cab and limo about five years ago, I remember this distinctly because they were all flipping out with Uber and yeah. Lyft coming in. I'm like, are you guys crazy? This is the best thing that's ever happened. Because they were all thinking they're gonna put me out of business. No, they showed you that there was real, real growth opportunity in something you guys have been sitting around forever. And now they realize that all of us could grab a quick Uber, grab a quick car. This is the best news they ever had. Now we're all, instead of going to buy a car, or instead of maybe getting on the train, we can grab a quick Lyft or Uber. Yep. So that makes the opportunity for you even that much greater. The question is, can you get on your game? Yep. Can you participate with clean cars, great service, uh, get your, you know, incorporate yourself into some of these apps, which is very doable. You're, you're, you're more in business now, but why? Because they increase the size of the category. So when I deal with competition, because people always come in here and say, Steiner, I could do what you do. I, I, what's hard is to get some athletes, they sign some stuff, you bring them on some it. appearances. <laughs> And I always welcome to, but the question is, are you gonna make our industry better? Are you gonna do it right and come up with something that I haven't thought of? Because if you do, I'm a major player in the industry and as the industry grows, I'll grow a little bit. Do I wanna be one up by a competitor? No, I'm still thinking, I'm still trying to do that myself. But if somebody does come in and does outthink me, 
I'm not mad at them if it makes the pie bigger. Mm -hmm. What makes me mad is that sometimes people come into an industry and all they really want to do is take a piece of the existing pie. Yes. You know, which is the guy sitting up on the hill watching the war go on and then comes down after the war's over and shoots all the dead people. Like, that's not competition to me. You know, that's bullshit. Like, that's, those are the kind of people that I have no interest in and I don't mind smothering them out and, and kicking their ass mm -hmm. out of my industry because they're just coming in trying to take advantage of what other people as hard work is done. So when you mention if someone, if you happen to have a competitor who's better than you, which you don't want and no one wants that, but innately, doesn't that make you like step your game up even more? Which, Sometimes, I mean, yeah. I'm, I always want to know who's best. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think the message to people that are watching is that if you're really interested in something. And my question is, is why would you do anything if you don't want to be the best? And if you really did want to be the best at it, then you need to know who the best is. You need to do that research. You need to understand what you're competing against. Yeah. I've always looked at whoever was doing whatever I was doing and made sure I understood the landscape so I knew whose ass I was kicking. Yeah. I was never interested again in being second best, you know, from when I was in the restaurant business or what have you. So I ask, I, I go to, to a business school and I speak to a bunch of business people or even a sales group in, uh, for Guardian Life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you guys want to be the best, but do you know who sells the most insurance? Do you know who the most important and major business people are in this country right now? And have you followed, watched? Because now it's a couple clicks and a pick. Back 30 years ago, I mean, you had to do some real research. You had to connive your way into somebody's office to see what they had going on. Yep. Now everything's online. Yep. So if, you, if you're getting into the health uh, club business, you need to go around this country, find out who's running the best health clubs and why, who has the highest level of margin, memberships, mm -hmm. and you, now you know what you need to beat. And by the way, you may be able to steal a few ideas along the way, which is fine, right? I mean, people have been stealing my ideas forever and a day, which is, you know, that's a form of flattery too. But at the end, know who you're competing against and why would you be in a business that you didn't want to be the best? If you're going to be a Broadway show producer, then why wouldn't you interview with as many Broadway show producers as possible to understand, first of all, how they got there, what it takes to be the best, and then you know what it takes to beat the best. Mm -hmm. But most people, most people aren't, you know, they talk about wanting to be really good and how important their brand is. But then when it comes to doing the work and when it really comes to doing that kind of mindset, if that doesn't show up on, on a line item in a P&L, it's the truth. You know, the truth will set you free, yes. but it will piss you off first. <laughs> and, you know, and, and at the end, if you're out there and you really want to do something special with your life, then you need to go find out the truth. You need to understand the commitment and, and what's out there, what it takes to beat them. And a lot of people, the difference why they don't become the best that ever was is simple reason. And I talk about this in Living on Purpose. You don't have the stamina. You don't have the mental and emotional stamina to hang in long enough to compete for that long to do all the things you need to do every day to kick other people's ass. Like the thing I'm most proudest of, this 30 years of Steiner, I don't know how many more years I'm going, whatever, but 30 years, I've been, I mean, just grinding and fighting and scrapping to not only beat my competitors, but to be the best. And, and, and also to be in the best means you've got to lead the way. You've got to come up with ideas that no one else has exactly. if you want to be a real leader. And that takes a lot of thought and you don't always get a lot of credit for that. So that's no, no, no. I, I, I love it. So that, that was a lot there, but, it, no. you know, but that's how I feel in my in my core. That, you know? That's why. Yeah. This is what I want. Like this, 
this is what I want. I want I want to understand why you feel the way you do. So I want to get back to one thing. You mentioned, you know, you were in the restaurant business, and, and I get it, and I know a little bit of the bio, but if people, when you got into the sports industry and sports marketing, and if people were going to look at you and be like, okay, he's the best, so I got to measure myself up against that guy. He's kicking everyone's fucking ass, blah, blah, blah. They can't pick up some of the skills that probably come naturally to you, which is being a people person, having the EQ or whatever. So what do you say to people who don't have that? Because it's clear you do. Like, I, I've seen your interactions. Like, it's very personable. This is personable. But, like, not everyone has that, but they might have the business sense. I mean, you find your rhythm. You know, a lot of times it's a partnership. You're part of a group that can do what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Some people are equipped to do it individually. I mean, I had some special skills that I probably learned at an early age, and frankly, I'm not sure that a 10 or 11-year-old should have to go learn the skills that maybe I've learned. You know, maybe so that's maybe my disadvantage that turned into my uh, advantage, frankly. But, you know, at the end, we all have special skills on a, on a real high level, if you want to push those buttons. They're not all the same, but depending on what you're trying to accomplish, a lot of times, like, even though I have an accounting degree, give you an example, mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I definitely understand the back end and, and the measurement and the analytics of a business. It's not my strength. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I really enjoy doing. Yep. And I'm frankly not that good at it. But I happen to marry a woman who, is a C who ended up being a CPA, Wharton grad, mm -hmm. University of Chicago grad, who's a brilliant, uh, you know, back end finance accounting. She ended up being my partner. We, never did we think we were going to work together. Mm -hmm. But she ends up being my partner and ends up getting me the, the bank loans training out my business on the back end, which is very complex when you talk about thousands of SKUs. So, you know, you find your way of, the goal is really not to be the end all, do it all, be it all, but the goal is to really feel where your strength is and what you could be extraordinary at, and then surround yourself with the right people that you can trust. I always say the P word is used, you know, partnership. And so, you know, you are gonna need some partners. Now, if I didn't have my wife or I was lucky enough to have my wife, it could maybe be a bank, but a special bank relationship, or it could be a financial person that invests that adds a certain element to help you. And just to compound that thought, even when I could have sold my company back in 2000, which I did, I had four or five really serious offers and took less money to go with the partner that had the more strong financial uh, back end of it all. I knew I didn't need the glitter, the glitz, the hype. I knew I needed the strongest back end because that was my weakness. Yep. So even though my wife was there and I wasn't sure she was going to not want to stay in the business for how long, I went with a company I knew that would supplement me. Yep. And I went with a company called Omnicom, which is really a conglomerate that most people probably never heard of. Very, very strong on the back end that buy best in category and support best in category, mm -hmm. but really will help you tremendously on the back end. So, you know, a very, you know, talent acquisition and, and partnership acquisition is, is the, probably the biggest decision you're going to make is the few key people that work for you, but who you partner with can make your life, I mean, there's not many things that can make your life miserable, but you know, you marry the wrong person, that's a starter. You have to give you tremendous thought to that. Like, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, listen, I believe you know, I married my, my love of my life who I met at 17 and, and you know, it's just an amazing story that I'm able to find her even though we, we went out in high school and didn't see her for 10 years and then wow. we get back together. But you can't put enough emphasis on that decision mm -hmm. you know, to really make sure that it's right as much as you can of sharing ideas, sharing everything because when that marriage thing doesn't work, it's misery. And then same thing with your business partners. I mean, I have so many people that sold companies for maybe more money than I did 
but ended up being miserable yep. because you know they did, they did it for the money, yep. uh, not for, didn't create those partnerships for the right reasons. And anytime you don't create partnerships for the right reasons, and they're not authentic, and they're not just don't 100% feel right, you know the getting out of those partnerships. There's nothing worse than having to separate the record albums, figure out who's yours and who's with mine. We always talk about that back in the day when you had record albums <laughs> yeah. and you live with a girl and yeah. you decided you're trying to figure out whose albums were whose yeah. and whose TVs were whose and all that stuff. Like, so I think, you know, you could talk about, you know, that's the thing I try to tell the young kids that are in entrepreneurs is like, it is important to come up with a great idea, but it's really just one aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, who you're joining forces with, who you're going to get the money from, how you set your business up, who's going to handle your financial end if you're this out front salesperson. You know, or who's going to handle the sales aspect if you're a back-end person? Mm -hmm. You know, who's going to handle the hiring and, and the internal culture of your business? Which is critical. You know, who handles the feeling of your, of your business? Like, you know, when people get time off and what the place is going to feel like. You know, you're going to be bringing lunches in, food in. You know, what it feels like when your employees come to work is huge. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult for one person to control all that. Yeah. So I, I understand completely. I am not at the point right now where I need this officer or this partner or anything yet. I'm still literally seven months into this thing. But um, I hope to get there one day. But for you, you've been doing this 30 years. You've been doing it very successfully. Tell me, uh, and obviously not naming names or anything, but times where you've had partnerships that failed. Because I see as, as young entrepreneurs, if you start to get any little bit of rhythm, anyone who's willing to help you, it's so flattering. And you're like, you know what, man? Like, yeah, let's do it. And then you just find out, like you said, they're in it for the wrong reasons, or maybe there's an ulterior motive, whatever it is. Uh, do you have any examples of partnerships that you were just like, shit? I mean, there's a ton, but I'm, I'm pretty careful. If you look at my track record of who I put next to mine, you know, and most of those have been long-standing relationships that I haven't managed to maintain. But yeah, I mean, listen, I, I had a partnership with the Cubs, Dodgers, didn't work out, mm -hmm. guessed wrong. Mm -hmm. you know, was it all my fault? Probably not, but you know, it was, you know, I probably, didn't really think hard about how that relationship was really going to work and how it could be effective with me being here and those teams being in Chicago and LA, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had employees, key employees that I really didn't think, and this is really hard for entrepreneurs, by the way, when you get started is who do you put a ring on? Who do you give a ring to? You know, who do you put their name? You know, there's a, a show called Suits on TV oh, yeah. and they're always fighting about whose name's going to be up on the wall. <laughs> So, and, and it really does dramatize it, but it's true. I mean, you know, employees want credit. Employees want that kind of um, notification and, and substantiation, and it's hard. I've lost a lot of good employees because I didn't think far enough out about what their career and substance plan could be. You know, as you chop up the company as far as not only, uh, you know, incentives and bonuses, but how, they, how it would feel. And it's hard, it's hard to maintain that. And that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is, is losing a lot, a lot of good employees mm -hmm. over the years because you're growing and, and things are happening fast and people online wanting to work for you because we have a new idea and yet you're losing people that have blood, sweat and tears with you. I think that's probably been one of the more difficult things. Well, I, I interviewed one woman, uh, CEO, and she, she's talked about what you're talking about. She goes, you know, I had these two friends who were with me for the first year, four, first four years of the business, and they were incredible. Like, it never would have got to where we were at that four-year point, but I outgrew them. And that was the worst and toughest conversations I had to have. 
So she's like, now I know when I hire people on, we'll be like, this is this relationship might be finite. Like, there just might be a point where you can't give me what I need anymore, or I can't give you what you need anymore, and then we might have to part ways. Uh, yeah, uh, so I want to get to uh, the point of the show, which is called Flashpoint. Um, and Flashpoint is uh, the temperature at which fuel will combust given an ignition source. So I kind of look at us, like we are like a fuel tank, and certain things happen throughout our lives that just have a, an enormous effect on the trajectory of where we're going, how we see the world, how we interact with people, how your business might go, and I always give a couple examples. When I left Amazon, who, yeah, I respect them, but I hated working there, um, I left and I did this, my life has never been better. I'm broker than ever, but I don't give a shit. Like, everything's fantastic. That's a good flashpoint. When I lost a bunch of friends in the Marine Corps, not a good flashpoint, but I learned a lot about the type of people I want to surround myself with, which is hugely important. So I'm sure you've had many flashpoints. Um, yeah, uh, but are there any that uh, stick out that completely influenced who you are today or changed the trajectory of how you perceive your business or life? And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear. Uh, I mean, there's so many. I mean, yeah. just because I made a living off of flashpoints. Yeah. So, you know, it's been my whole thing about flashpoints and moments in time and yeah. things that change everything, uh, whether it be for fun or for real. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, obviously uh, when I was 10, when, when the teacher gave me a boatload of money or an envelope of money to buy clothes, and I realized that the first time I realized I didn't probably have what was necessary. I didn't have what was needed, uh, clothing. It was embarrassing, and I didn't want to feel that again. Uh, certainly when I had my paper route and I went to speak to my mom about how to grow that route, I was very frustrated, and she explained to me how important it is to realize if I'm selling something that someone else is selling, not to expect people just to buy it. you got to differentiate yourself. And when you are selling something, you got to solve a problem and serve people, come up with something that can really help people, not just sell people what you have and expect them to buy it. I think that was a huge game changer mm -hmm. in how I looked at business, mm -hmm. just for my stupid little paper route. Amazing. I think when I did Yankee Steiner, yeah. um, you know, two years to do that deal, and that also gave me the feeling like, you know, you could dream big. There is nothing that, if you put your mind to it, and more, again, solve, serve, think about what you could do. Most people look at Yankee Steiner as a money grab, but it was really about how do we take care of Yankee fans. That's when I also realized the power of brand with the Yankees, that they were walking and talking the talk. They cared about their customers. They cared about their fans. And they didn't want them to buy fake stuff. Mm -hmm. And they found a, a partner in me that can maybe help resolve that problem. And then we ended up building a company around that. Yeah. I think when I beat Michael Jordan, when I went back to his camp and kicked his ass. And I know that, you know, if I played him 100 times. But, you know, when you pictureize stuff and you, you actually sometimes need to go and get outside yourself and really pictureize things way greater and bigger than you can ever even imagine and then work backwards is, is a great technique of accomplishing things. Mm -hmm. So people always ask me, like, when you started Steiner, did you ever think you'd be this successful? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. Of course, you think I started this thing, think I was gonna fail? Mm -hmm. I had wide dreams and aspirations. They kind of changed, but I had dreams that I'd own multiple companies and do all kinds of multiple things. And so, yeah, I did. I, and, and I think dreaming big is a very, very underrated uh, aspect of becoming successful. I think it's important that you give yourself the time and the creativity and the fun of dreaming big because it's free. So I think those, those, that, that for me is a huge, what ended up being a weirdness when I was a kid because people would see me walking down the street, I'd walk right by them, not even notice they were there or in school because I was constantly daydreaming. I was a huge daydreamer <laughs> and, and it did make it weird and people did think I was a little strange, but it ended up becoming a huge advantage because the, the aptitude and the depth that I was able to dream, 
mainly because I wasn't really particularly fond of where I was at uh, quite a bit. So why, why stay there? Get out of there as much as you can, but go to a place that's interesting. And if you can make up a lot of that shit, you know, great. And just what I was doing constantly. And then eventually I used that technique to my advantage. I uh, interviewed uh, James Orsini over at Vayner, and then I was interviewing him, and I asked him a question about Gary. I go, how do, you, how do you kind of wrangle him when he's all over the place or whatever? He goes, you never wrangle a dreamer. He goes, you let them run free, which seems like the people who have really thrived. And I, like, I don't look at companies who thrive as just like, you know, being top of the market and making a ton of money. It, it looks like people with really deep relationships, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think relationship building is huge. I just want to say one thing about Gary V. You know, I'm a fan and a friend of his, and yeah. I've, I've got to hang with Gary a bunch. Yeah. I think Gary's strength, not to, over, not to overplay his hand, but yeah. I think he's a relatively smart guy. Yeah. I think his listening skills are insane. I think his ability to actually listen to what you're saying and digest that and actually hear, hear you, see you, I tell people all the time in sales, it's not about being the smartest guy in the room. It's about, can you see your customer? Can you really see them? And are you really listening? And it's amazing how many people can't do that. It's amazing how many restaurants I go to and I ask for something specifically, and I'm really serious about the way I want my eggs or the way I want my salad, and I don't get it. And then it's not even a thought that they didn't even bring it to me the way I wanted it. And I've doubled, I repeated it twice. And I think that in general, I see that happening with husbands and wives. Your wife will tell you what she wants. It's not that complicated. They'll let your spouse will tell you. But it's amazing how we can't. I mean, and you know, I always talk about how important it is to listen. But I think Gary V's real strength, having having hung with him a bunch of times, it's amazing how he can be in that moment and really, really listen. And I, one of the my big takeaways from him is I don't think anything he says is that unbelievably. Uh, oh my God! Yep. You know, this yep. is an MC squared. Blah blah blah. But it is amazing how he can digest really what you're saying, see you, hear you, and respond to you in a way that really is authentic and accurate. Yep. So many times you talk to somebody and they're responding, it's not even accurate. Like, are you wondering, what, 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 did I, is what I just said? Oh, no. I wasn't talking Japanese. You repeating back? Yeah. 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 Like... So I, I think that's, that's an important thing to note when you're out there is like, you know, really, and back to my newspaper story, like, if you could really listen to your customers, and really have an interest in serving them more importantly than 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 uh, selling them. You know, serve rather than sell. You'd be surprised how fast your company can grow. And that's always been my interest. Yeah. It, it really going way back and uh, back to the papers, but in the restaurant business, and then even at Steiner, I have kids that we just take care of that I knew I'd never. I mean, these are eight, ten-year-old kids that are now 30, 40, and they remember me taking them, them and their dads to their first games, remembering them meeting players. And it, and it was more than just that, because I cared. And now all of a sudden, those, those kids are customers. That's unbelievable. Uh, you gotta and, play the long game. And, uh, and that's the thing, it's like, you know, when you play the long game, back to what you were saying before, the relationship part of it all, I think most people that know me know that relationships are everything. Uh, yeah. And just because you have a name and somebody liked you doesn't mean you have a relationship. A thousand percent. And that's sometimes I think what's gearing, uh, steering people a little the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent hours going through my bases, keeping in touch with people, checking in on them, and see if I can help them or whatever. And that's a part of my day. Not just out there deep sea fishing, how I get my next sale, my next deal. But, you know, it's not who you know, what you know, but what you know about who. And I think you take your time to make sure you keep measuring and managing the people you do know yeah. 
And it's amazing, like we just talked at the beginning of this interview, how much life changes, what changes for everyone. But how would you know about some of your friends and some of the people you even know about their changes unless you ask? I know. So you want to know why your business isn't growing? It's because your relationships aren't growing. Because you're so busy looking for the next relationship instead of maneuvering and managing the ones you have. And I've been, I feel like a master of it. And because I enjoy it. I, I, I don't mind calling somebody up from 20 years ago, just checking in. How are you doing? Exactly. You lost your job? How are you doing? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't give you any business right now, Brandon. I know. It's okay. But I'm here for you. Yeah. I know the day I leave Steiner, I know that my Rolodex is going to shrink substantially. But you know something? It won't shrink from me. Like, I don't need to get something out of every person that I know. Yes. I just... You know, to me, it's to me. I'd rather be a give and a give, yep. as opposed to you know they talk about the give and take. I'm like, I'm not big on that. No. It's a two-way street. No, no, it's a three-way street. I'd rather be giving twice as much as what I'm receiving and stay ahead of the curve. And I'm good with it. I, uh, and we could end here, but I mean, like everything you said is, gives me so much confidence, at least as an individual, that I'm on the right path. Because I think altruism is the most underestimated piece of business. Period. And Literally, every time I meet someone, I just interviewed four veteran entrepreneurs before I got here to you. I took a freaking cab all the way over here because I'm like, I'm not going to be late. The train's taking too long. And I immediately knew five minutes into the conversation, the people I needed to connect them with immediately. So um, what people don't realize in this book is that what most people don't think, and you read all these business books, and what I've come to realize after all these years, that faith is so important because if you believe in what we just talked about, about doing the right thing, listening to people, doing more for them than they could do for you, or just doing stuff for people that you know maybe they can never do anything for you, that's faith. Faith, you know, putting out good, not worrying so much what you're getting back. Yes. That's how I start this book, and most people don't see it coming because they see me as a wheeling, dealing, fast-talking, hustling Brooklyn guy, and I am. I know what I am. I am. I mean, I can go and hang on a street corner with the best of them. But what I've learned and what's taken me to a really special level is the faith in relationship building, the faith that when you do good, you don't always have to get something back. You don't have to put notoriety on it. Just do as much good as you can. Because faith, if you want to be extraordinary, is huge. And you can't see it. It's not a line item. Uh, it's not something that goes, pops up in your p But if you don't have faith, and by the way, Back to your original question, is like, you know, why'd you write this book? I, I had no faith. I, I had no idea what even faith was. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, faith was like praying that Derek Jeter would get a hit in the ninth inning when the bases were loaded, and we were down two runs. Like, I didn't know what faith was. Like, and, and you know, something that's what has transpired for me, particularly in the last 20 years, is incorporating faith and, and just trusting that good things will happen when you just do good. Yep, karmic circle yeah. is what I like to call it. Yeah. Put good karma out. Hopefully it'll come back, but I never expect anything at anyone. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, I, I certainly have faith in and a lot of the things you're talking about resonate with me, and I think it's going to resonate with the audience. Uh, I appreciate your candidness, although I've never heard you not candid, so that's good. Uh, but thank you so much. And um, living on purpose, uh, so we could find it on Amazon. I already saw it. I already got a couple emails. And, and from also you. there's some specials on BrandonSteiner.com, and you get the yep. 22 laws of negotiating for free. Mm-hmm. And you go on there, actually we have like a buy one, get one, and we do some special where you get some free gifts with the book yep. on BrandonSteiner.com. I think I saw if you buy 20 or more or something like that, then uh, you might do a speaking engagement, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, but there's a special if, if you buy X amount of books, and yep. then there's, I just like playing around with the stuff. I mean, to me, all the money, just yeah. on the last thought, I was like, all the money for my speaking and the books all go to charity. And nice. I've done hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of charity work, 
more now than I've ever had, which is a blessing. Mm -hmm. So everybody out there, thank you for the support. Yeah. Even if it's buying a book, it helps some kid get clothing, a mattress, or a YMCA, or a STEM program. But I, I just really enjoy uh, the work that my wife and I, that I've been able to do even more now than ever. You sound very blessed. Um, where can people find you on Instagram? It's Brandon Steiner and Steiner Sports. Yeah, and it's also, you know, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I love my LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, you got to follow me because I'm over that. that I know. Limit. I, but, <laughs> but if you follow me, and also if you message me, I always answer. Okay. I try to answer almost all my Facebook messages, too. I'm very oh, active nice. on Facebook, but you never know if you're going to get the posts. Yep. And then if you go on BrandonSteiner.com, you get the blog. There's a place for you to leave comments. Yep. I answer them all, though. Yep. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, please check out some of the previous episodes. I've had Heather Monahan on. I've had Gary Vaynerchuk on, Sean Cannell, CEO of Think Media. Uh, this is what I love to do, and if you love to listen, I would really appreciate um, leaving a rating or leaving a review. That always, always helps, and I want to make sure that entrepreneurs and veteran entrepreneurs are getting all this information because it's what's going to help them get to the next level, I hope. Take care. Bye.